A word for today, Lions Down's daily podcast to help you abide in Jesus by seeing to it that his word abides in you. Nothing could matter more. This isn't to replace your personal Bible reading and prayer, but rather encourage and help you in it. Word nostalgia is defined in my chamber's dictionary as homesickness, the desire to return to some earlier time in one's life, or a fond remembrance of that time, usually tinged with sadness at its having passed. It comes apparently from the Greek word for return, nostos, and algos, pain. And I think uh, we probably recognize that as true, don't we? As human beings, we tend to romanticize the past. We tend to paint it in golden colors and perhaps think back to the good old days, when actually... If we went back to those good old days, we might find they're not quite as good as we like to remember them. And what we do in our own experience, we tend to do to history as well. And I think that is an issue when we come to a book like To Peter, which we're now embarked on for the next few weeks. We like to imagine the worldwide church to which Peter was writing at the time. It was a church, of course. Uh, around the uh, eastern seaboard of the Mediterranean, mainly at that time. But we like to think of it as an ideal church, that first century church, how wonderful they must have been, how attentive, how godly. We imagine them all sitting, smiling, uh, with notebooks at the ready, noting down everything that Peter is saying and living it out in godly lives. And yet there is really no reason for us to think like that, least of all from the content of 2 Peter itself. But I want first to uh, look at what the risen Jesus uh, said to the early churches of that first century. It's very interesting, isn't it? The book of Revelation at the beginning, we have seven letters from the risen, exalted Son, Jesus Christ, in heaven to different churches. And, for example, what he writes to the church of Ephesus in the book of Revelation, chapter 2, verse 4, is, you have abandoned the love you had at first. That's a very serious charge. What Jesus writes to the church at Thyatira in Revelation 2.20 is this, you tolerate that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess and is teaching and seducing my servants to practice sexual immorality. We might think that the frog-boiling episodes going on in the modern evangelical church in the United Kingdom of the 21st century is something new, but it's interesting to find exactly that thing back in the first century. There is that false teaching within the uh, evangelical establishment, the true church, uh, pictured in the woman Jezebel, who claims to be speaking for God. She calls herself a prophetess and yet is teaching and seducing uh, the servants of God to practice sexual immorality. What a picture of what is going on at the present time in the living in love and faith process. Uh, we also find Jesus writing to the, book of, uh, uh, to the church of Sardis in Revelation chapter 3, verse 2. Wake up and strengthen what remains and is about to die. Well, it seems that that church of Sardis wasn't in great shape, was it? It was so sleepy, it was almost dead. And then perhaps we're more familiar with what Jesus says to the seventh church to which he writes in the book of Revelation in chapter 3, verses 16 to 17 to the church in Laodicea, where Jesus says, Because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. 
Then he says later, you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. That's describing the spiritual state of that early church. So perhaps we're not right to see the early first century Christian church in a golden glow. Perhaps it wasn't so different from the church of our land at this time. And in a moment, we're going to look at the second half of chapter 1 of 2 Peter. But before we read it, and we won't read it until tomorrow, but before we do, I want to bring to your attention a phrase that comes in the middle of that passage, where Peter says, you will do well to pay attention. That's the phrase I'm going to be concentrating on as we look at this material in the remainder of this week. Peter there is referring to the prophetic word, that means the direct word of God, the direct message of God recorded in writing. He's talking about the scriptures. That's clearly what uh, the context would suggest. And he's saying, you will do well to pay attention. Now, if you went to your pastor and you said, look, um, I've got a pastoral problem and I'd be very grateful if you would help me. And you then explained to him what that problem was. And he replied, you will do well to pay attention. Then I think you would realize that your pastor was rather confronting you. He wasn't being too cozy. He was in effect rebuking you, albeit very gently. But he was saying, look, you're making a big mistake. You're neglecting something of great importance. And what Peter is referring to is actually the written word of God. Now, before we get put off by the fact that this is really a rebuke, we have to realize what rebukes represent according to the Bible. We always associate rebukes with negativity and people who are wrong, who have misunderstood us. And yet the Bible presents rebukes, particularly those that pass between friends, as good things. Hear what is written in the book of Proverbs, chapter 27, verse 5, which says, Better is open rebuke than hidden love. It's saying that an open rebuke, an unconcealed rebuke, and this implies between friends, between people who are in relationship with each other, that's better than hidden love. What does hidden love with uh, mean? Well, it means probably love that flatters, love that never corrects, love that actually just wants to keep the relationship going for the good of uh, the person, not the one who is loved. Uh, love that is exploitative, love that is morally useless. Actually, love that is not love at all. And then the next sentence of that verse says, faithful are the wounds of a friend profuse are the kisses of an enemy. You see, it takes a brave and faithful friend to deliver a rebuke sometimes. I think back to my own life. Those who have, in love, real friends, rebuked me, have done very brave and kind things to me. I've learned more from those rebukes than uh, many uh, hundreds of compliments that might otherwise have been given. Proverbs later says, a man who flatters his neighbor spreads a net for his feet. We've been reading Pilgrim's Progress um, in our um, uh, fellowship group, in our uh, vineyard table. And uh, there is a character, Flatterer, who is a really bad guy. Uh, Flatterer is somebody who is trying to exploit and overcome 
the Christians on their pilgrimage. And uh, we should beware of those who flatter. So let's not be put off. That's really all I'm saying as we embark on this next section of 2 Peter. Let's not be put off by the understanding that what is really being delivered here is a rebuke. It's a loving rebuke. And we'll come back to this tomorrow. Father, we thank you so much that your word does deliver rebuke sometimes. And we pray that we would be willing to listen and learn. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. A word for today, helping you abide in Jesus by seeing to it that his word abides in you. This podcast was brought to you by Lionsdown at lionsdown.org.